Well, good morning from a, a very shaky Christchurch Baptist Church. My apologies to you if you're watching this on our live stream. And every now and again, the camera shakes. Uh, we are having the road dug up out the front, uh, which unfortunately is making the building wobble just a little bit. Well, it might wobble hard enough that it actually falls over. Who knows? Well, some of us love an adventure, don't we? And there's no doubting that the journey of the past six months has been exactly that. It's been an adventure as a country and as individuals. But two, for us as a church, we've been trying to navigate some previously unexplored territory as we've wrestled with and then sought to understand the complexities of the coronavirus restrictions. It's been fun. Well, of course, that's the positive way of viewing things. For others of us, perhaps the last six months have been less enjoyable. If we're really honest, we found ourselves in a wilderness that wasn't of our choosing, and in truth, it's been tough. Well, I really hope that this morning, regardless of how you look back at the journey of the last six months, that you'll be encouraged, because our God is a God who loves to meet us on our journey. And he has a funny habit of doing exactly that when we find ourselves in what we might call the wilderness, be that metaphorical or be that actual. Our God is the God who has a track record of breaking into the challenges that we face and then doing something new. Well, perhaps the best story that's captured in the scriptures about God breaking into a wilderness experience is the story of Moses leading the Israelites through the wilderness. They are literally in a physical wilderness. Maybe you already already know the story. God blesses them daily with manna in the desert. And the story is captured in Exodus chapter 16 in the Old Testament of the Bible. So if you want to try and find it in your Bible, feel free to do so now. Well, whilst you do that, let me give you a bit of the context. God's people, the Israelites, have left the relative comfort and the security of Egypt, and they find themselves wandering around in a place called the Desert of Sin. The Desert of Sin. What an ominous sounding name. Now, to me, it doesn't sound like a a good place to be, and yet in his wisdom, God has allowed his people to be in that place. Sometimes God allows us to endure the wrestle of a wilderness experience because there's a work he wants to do in us that he otherwise wouldn't be able to do if we were living in relative comfort. Now at the point we join the story today, it's only one month since the Israelites or the Hebrews as they're sometimes known had seen God deal with their enemies through the ten plagues. Egypt was the greatest power in the world at that time, but in a contest of power, God wins hands down. It's only been one month since the parting of the sea. It's just one month since their great deliverance from Egypt. One month is all it takes for them to start griping and groaning and grumbling. These are not happy people. In fact, there's a repeated refrain in Exodus 16, which is this, the whole community, that's two million people, The whole community grumbled. Can you imagine it? What we have here is a bunch of whingers and moaners, and they are properly bending Moses' ears and making sure that he knows full well that they're not best pleased with him. In fact, it's so bad that in verse 3 they say this, If only we died in Egypt where we had lamb stew and all the bread we could possibly eat. Moses, you've brought us out into this wilderness to starve us to death. Well, the bottom line was this. They didn't want to go God's way. They wanted to go their way. God's way was forwards. Their way was backwards. 
Now, I guess all they were simply doing is what all of us do or at least attempted to do when life gets tough. We start looking in the rearview mirror and we hanker after the good old days. Now, of course, the truth is things actually weren't that great in Egypt. They seem to have forgotten the fact that in Egypt they were living in slavery, but compared to the wilderness that they were now in, their memories, their faulty memories told them that Egypt was indeed a bed of roses. Now, here's the problem with grumbling, which I've discovered to be true in my own life. Grumbling has a habit of exaggerating the positives of the past at the same time as magnifying the negatives of the present. I wonder how many times in the past six months you felt the same way um, that I have in in a few moments, where you've kind of said to God, Lord, give me back the good old pre COVID days. Everything was so much better then. Well, maybe it was, but maybe in some ways it wasn't. The fact is, we are in the now, we're not in the then, and there's nothing that we can do to change the then. Now, I want to take the opportunity this morning to say something to us as a church. I want to say something to you about what it's been like to be involved in the leadership of Christchurch Baptist Church during these strange days, and it's this. Thank you. I want to say thank you on behalf of myself and the wider staff team and the leadership team of the church here for being such an incredible church with an amazing heart, with such wonderfully positive attitudes as we've entered into this season of our own wilderness journey together. Unlike the experience of Moses, CBC has not been a church that's full of whingers and moaners. Do you know what? We've not had a single person grumble at us, and it's made the already difficult tasks task of leadership in these days is is relatively easy. And we want to say thank you. We've not received a single one of those dreaded letters of complaint that nearly always land on your desk on a Monday morning. In fact, our experience has been quite the opposite. As a church, we've had to be really agile, haven't we, to do things in ways that we otherwise wouldn't have done them. And praise God, we're continuing to see Jesus at work in our midst. We're continuing to see lives transformed by the gospel. We're continuing to see people walk in ever-increasing intimacy with God. We have folk joining our Alpha course um, who are new to the church to explore faith for the first time. We've had 60-plus people join us for our online prayer course during these strange days, and they've been blessed by experiencing prayer differently ever since. 70% of our church community and family are involved in our small groups. Stacks of new folk have joined us online for our worship services, but loads of uh, folk have joined us too online for our regular prayer gatherings. Our children and our young people even now are out meeting in imaginative and creative ways that otherwise we wouldn't have experienced in our pre-COVID days. You know, the coronavirus might have changed the way that we engage with one another as church, but we're still being church even though the church has left the building. It's exciting to be part of such an amazing church community, and we simply want to say thank you. I feel so blessed because I have minister friends who I know are not having such a good time. You see, it seems to me that you have two choices when you recognize your need in life. Your choice is to be a grumbler, or you can go to the Lord with a sense of thankfulness. And we simply want to say thank you for being thankful. Grumbling most often shows the inward state of our hearts. And if that's true, then your heart, then our hearts as a church must be in a good place, even though things are tough. 
Grumbling is contagious, isn't it? And isn't it fantastic that in the middle of one pandemic, we're not having to deal with another pandemic, a second pandemic, the pandemic of moaning. Compared to Moses, we are living the leadership dream. Thank you. Well, let's turn to our scripture verses for this morning. I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 to 15. The text says this, The whole Israelite community, two million of them, set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and against Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we, had, um, we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I'll test them and I'll see whether or not they'll follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they're to prepare what they bring in. And that will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, because he's heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but you're grumbling against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he's heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert. And there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of all the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes of frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is this? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. So we read here in the text that God provided for the Israelites on a daily basis. Our God is a God of his promise. What he says will happen, will happen. And we see that in our story today. There was always enough. No one went without. No one had to store up food from the day before because God provided for them on a daily basis, even though there were leftovers from the day before. If you read on from the point where I stopped reading in verse 20, you discover that there were those who tried to keep food until the next day, but when they went to eat it, it was covered in maggots and it was starting to go stale. Hoarding stinks. So what's the learning point here? Well, God wanted the Israelites to trust him on a daily basis. God's people had no need to rely on God's provision from yesterday because God had promised that there would be fresh bread for today. God didn't want the Israelites to exist on that which was old and infested and stale. Of course, the message for all of us in our walk with God is that he longs for us not to want to exist spiritually on what we had yesterday. 
God longs for us not to exist spiritually on that which is old and infested in stale yesterday's leftovers, but instead he wants us to look to him for fresh provision. Every day he wants us to come to him in prayer. Every day he wants us to read his word. Every day he wants us to encourage and be encouraged by the people who are taking the adventure of life with us. The challenge, of course, is that we shouldn't be satisfied with having prayed yesterday. We shouldn't be satisfied with having read our Bible yesterday. We shouldn't be satisfied with the encouragement that we gave or the encouragement that we received yesterday. Because yesterday's blessings will start to go stale and they'll lose their freshness very quickly. Well, that's the kind of big picture message of this text. That God has infinite supplies of grace to meet all of our needs and we must daily take the effort to lay hold of him. But two from this text this morning, I want to pick out a few things that seem really pertinent to us as we journey forward with our 2020 vision plans. As has already been mentioned in our service this morning, our planning application was heard by BCP Planning Committee on Thursday. And the committee decided to uphold the recommendation of the planning officer to refuse our application. After so much work over so many years by so many of us, that decision was really disappointing. But throughout this journey, our prayer has always consistently been the same. Our prayer has been that firstly, would we would be obedient in pursuing the, pursuing the vision that we felt God had given to us. Now, we've done that despite the cost of both human effort and of finance. But the second part of our prayer was that the committee decision would be a means by which God would further clarify that vision. Now, we remain committed to pursuing God's heart with regard to our buildings in the sure knowledge that we know we need to do something about them to make them fit for our mission and our ministry, not only in the here and now, but too for the generations to come. We're committed to continuing to pursue God's heart. And despite the disappointment, there's no doubt that God will bring clarity through the events of this week. On Thursday afternoon, after the decision was made, we found ourselves in something of a wilderness, if I'm honest, wondering perhaps a little bit like the Israelites without a clear clear sense of where we're headed. But here's the thing. It's not always bad to be in the wilderness because so often it's in the wilderness that God often speaks and provides most clearly. And we see that in our scripture reading this morning. There's a couple of great lines in Exodus 16, which I've never really thought about before, but seem really pertinent to the journey that we're on. The first is in verse 10, and the second is in verse 15. Verse 10 says this, while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert. They looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. They looked towards where? They looked towards the desert. Well, back in verse 7, God had made a promise to his people through the lips of Moses and Aaron that they would see the glory of the Lord. And we see the fulfillment of that promise here in verse 10 as they're looking towards the desert. God's glory was revealed when his people looked towards the wilderness, towards the place where they didn't really want to go, where maybe it was scary to go. He didn't reveal his glory when they looked back towards Egypt, which was the place where they were moaning and groaning that they wanted to go back to. Now, I think there's a challenge for us here too. The challenge for us is to look forwards and to not look backwards, to not be afraid of the wilderness we find ourselves in and to not retreat because 
God's glory will be revealed when we look up and when we look ahead, not back. God's glory and his purpose and his plans and his provisions will be seen when we press forwards with the plans that he has for us. Well, significantly in Moses' day, with God's glory came the provision of their evening meal and their morning meal. Where God has gone before us, where his glory is, and when we pursue that glory and look towards it, there we will find his provision also. Now, in saying all this this morning, I'm not suggesting for a moment that it's wrong to have memories of what God has done in the past. I'm not suggesting for a second that it's wrong to celebrate all the good things that God has done, or even to reflect on the more challenging things that have happened in the past. But we should be a people who are looking up and looking ahead, because it's from the wilderness and not from the well-trodden paths of the past that God will reveal himself and make our daily provision for today. We so often sing, don't we, in those great old words of the hymn, Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. In a sense, that chorus looks back, but then the verses look forward. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine and 10,000 beside. When God appeared in front of them in the wilderness, there's a sense in which he was beckoning them forwards and onwards. Now, the wilderness can be tough. Yes, it can. The wilderness might not be the place where we've signed up to be. No, it isn't. But God will meet us there in our adventure. For the Israelites, the the promise of a land flowing with milk and honey seems to be falling a bit short. No one had told them that the road was going to be quite so hard to get there. No one had told them that between Egypt and the promised land, there was going to be a long journey that would leave them in the wilderness for some 40 years. But God is a God of his word, and he never, ever fails to deliver on a promise. Albeit sometimes that promise doesn't come when we think that it should. The wilderness was a place of danger, but two, I want us to see that it was a space for learning new ways of relating to God that were not based on their identity of the past from where they've come from, but that were based on who they were today and who they would be in the future. We need to look up and we need to look ahead. But in verse 15, we see the other really interesting thing from this text. Despite the fact that God had promised that he would provide daily for the needs of his people, despite the fact that he promised he would provide them with bread, the Israelites couldn't see God's provision that was literally appearing on the ground before them and and, and that which was under their feet. Verse 15 says, uh, uh, the, the people said to Moses, well, what is this? And Moses says to them, it's the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. God had promised bread. God gave bread, and yet God's people couldn't see it for looking. Why? Because God's blessing didn't come in the form in which they were expecting it. Now, we're still processing the outcome of uh, Thursday's planning meeting. I won't pretend for a second that I know where the journey's going to take us. But of this, we can be absolutely sure. God is for us, and God is not against us. And therefore, his provision, and crucially, his timing, will be a blessing even if it doesn't look like that at the moment. Of course, we wanted to see an approval for our application, but God has blessed us with what we need at this moment in time, which was a refusal. 
Yes, I did just say that. God has blessed us at this moment in time with a refusal. And in a sense, that's so often been my experience in our journey with God. His blessings often don't come in the form which I expect them to become. Why? Because there are my good ideas and there are then God's great ideas. And what I want to say in response to all that is give me the blessing of God's great idea every time. Give me the blessing of his perfect timing every uh, time over my good idea and my often impatient timing. I love that Moses actually had to tell the people here that on the ground there is the bread that the Lord had promised that he would give you to eat. Sometimes when we find ourselves in the wilderness, we don't see what we want. And sometimes we need other people to point out that the blessing we need is right beneath our feet. The fun thing about this story is that the Hebrew word for manna actually means, what is it? Which, of course, is the question that God's people asked. Can you just imagine the Israelites bending over this rather odd, white, flaky stuff and then saying, what is it? And God says, yes, that's right. What is it? I've given it to you. What is it? It, Well, it's what is it? You can imagine how the conversation might have gone. You see, it wasn't what they wanted, it wasn't what they imagined as the solution to their problems. That in a paraphrase of the great theologian Mick Jagger, you can't always get what you want, but if you look really hard, you'll see that God always gives you what you need. And he'll always give you what you need in his perfect timing. As with those who have gone before us in faith, God offers to journey with us in the wilderness and God offers to respond to our needs, not to our wants. And he'll always do so in his perfect timing. But we've got to continually be on the lookout for God's grace as we move forward into all that he has promised. We need to continue to be thankful, even if we find ourselves in the wilderness. And maybe that applies to our COVID-19 journey. Maybe it applies to our 2020 vision journey as well. We have the challenge to continue to, to look ahead and to look up, to move forwards and not to retreat backwards. We have the challenge to continue looking for God's blessing in unexpected packages. A few weeks ago, we were given a picture, and I think this is such a helpful picture of our 2020 vision. Of course, to have 2020 vision means that you have a crystal clear vision, perfect eyesight. Those of us who have to wear glasses and a face covering will know all too well the experience of having fogged up glasses. And in a sense, at this moment in time, our glasses are fogged up when it comes to the 2020 vision. But I know that there's a day that's coming when the glasses will start to clear and our vision will become crystal clear again. Of course, why are our glasses fogged up? Because we're living and we're breathing and we're moving. That's why they're fogged up and we need to continue to live and move and breathe and have our being in our Lord and Savior. The fogged up glasses will clear But then there have been two other pictures that we've been given as well, and I don't want to lose sight of these for our journey. And the first is the picture of a small child holding on to their father's hand and just walking off into the distance. The child has no idea where he's going, but he feels safe and he feels secure, knowing that his father, who does know the way, is leading him into a new uh, place and into the perfect future. And I want us to hang on to that today, that we need to continue hanging on to the hand of our Heavenly Father because He'll lead us to a good place. But then maybe that picture goes on, that as we journey holding the hand of our Heavenly Father, too, He's going to lift us up like a small child onto His shoulders. 
And as soon as we end up on his shoulders, well, we see a completely different perspective of the landscape and the journey that's before us. Our challenge for now is to continue holding our hand. But we need to continue being expectant that one day he'll lift us up onto his shoulders and that we'll see things differently. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says this, and with this I finish before I pray. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm making a way in the wilderness. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for the journey of the last few years. And Lord, we confess our disappointment. We confess that it's not the outcome that we wanted, but maybe actually it's the outcome that we needed for your perfect timing and for your perfect plan to be discovered. And Lord, I want to thank you for our church community, a church community that's been so encouraging, a church community that has been thankful during this time when we could have become a bunch of grumblers. Lord, I want to thank you that you gave us a vision that we're continuing to pursue. And Lord, as we continue to pursue that vision, even in a place of wilderness, help us be a people who look up and who look ahead. But Lord, give us eyes to see your provision when it comes. Which sometimes will come in a package we don't expect, but it will come in a package that perfectly meets our needs. Lord, for our fogged up glasses at the moment, we pray that that fogging would begin to clear. We pray that you would make us a people who cling on to your hand as you lead us forward, knowing that in your hand there's safety and there's security. But too, Lord, we look forward to that day when we get to ride on your shoulders and we'll see things with a whole new perspective. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of your promise and what you promise you will do. And Lord, as a church community, we surrender ourselves to your perfect timing. Lord, we thank you today that you are able to do what we can't do. We thank you today that you will never, ever fail. We thank you today that you are an almighty God. We thank you today that you're greater than all we ask, that you're greater than than all we could ever imagine. We thank you that you have done great things and you will continue to do great things. And Lord, we thank you today that in Jesus you've defeated the grave and that you've raised your son to new life. Lord, thank you that you are able and therefore you make us overcomers. Lord, we commit ourselves afresh to this incredible journey with you and the adventure of faith, wherever it may take us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing together as we're able to. God, you are able.